Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Uh, today, again, being Labor Day, I just wanted to just kind of uh, have a conversation uh, with us, to us. And I ain't talking about you behind your back. Now, I am talking about all them people who ain't here uh, this morning. I am going to talk about behind their back, and they just have to watch the podcast and know that I was talking bad about them, uh, but that's not for right now. Uh, so I want to just talk to us, have a conversation, just kind of like let's have a family meeting where Daddy used to call, your mom used to call, and you have a come to Jesus meeting. That's exactly what we're going to be doing here in the next few moments. Uh, because if you know, last week we ended a sermon series that lasted about 40 years uh, called Exodus. Uh, the pun intended right there. And, uh, and so we finally got through uh, the end of Exodus, and we're done with that book. And uh, I don't know what our next book will be. It'll probably be another long book, just because that's what I do. Uh, but for right now, I want us to have a conversation about refuge, about you, about our part that we play in this, about what we are here for, because honestly, if you're breathing, you've probably asked the question, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with uh, myself? In fact, if you've ever done public speaking, uh, you've probably given some type of speech, or if you're a preacher, uh, you've probably given a sermon, and you've probably sat right down after you said the things that you said and said, what the heck was that? What just came out of my mouth? What am I doing with my life? Which is often a conversation that happens inside of this uh, fantastic brain of mine. And so I want us to answer that question, what are we doing? Not only what are we doing as a church, but how do we, and this is an important part of that conversation, how do we accomplish what God has called us into as a church? And we get this beautiful glimpse of the infancy stage of the church that was birthed right out of Acts chapter 2. This is right after Jesus ascends to heaven and he tells uh, the people, go wait in an upper room, if you're familiar with the story. If not, allow me to digress just for uh, 30 seconds. He tells them, go wait. And on uh, this day, Jesus ascends, and they wait, and they're sitting in a room with each other, devoted to each other, is what Acts chapter 1 would say, praying with each other, planning with each other, worshiping together for 10 days straight. They're in this upper room. And they're devoted to each other. They're praying with each other, and they're worshiping together. Now, Acts chapter 2 happens. Something phenomenal occurs, which all my charismatics get extremely excited about, known as the fall of the Holy Spirit. Coming, coming on, everybody. And at some point in this passage is where, if you were raised charismatic, the church would go into a Jericho march and start, my, and we'd start doing praise breaks. And, but y'all, y'all don't know nothing about that right there. So before you lose any more interest in which you have already lost, I want to get into the word and pray the sermon makes sense. 
<laughs> I've had a lot of coffee this morning, by the way. And, uh, and Auburn won, and so I'm feeling really excited about my life. I feel like things are going well until Auburn loses, and I won't be preaching that following Sunday. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And so this is day 50. This is where we get the Feast of Pentecost. 50th, that, that word literally, penta, which is five. You get Pentecost. And so this is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is the day Pentecost had arrived. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men who were from every nation under heaven, and at this mighty sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered, as they should have been, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of this in his own native language? And it begins to talk about these native languages that I'm not going to try to pronounce because then you would probably lose even more interest. And then suddenly in verse 12, they, they say, uh, before verse 12 and verse 11b, we hear them telling in our own language and tongues the mighty works of God, verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. However, it is always five o'clock somewhere. Peter gives then this, because if you've had a bad day, it starts any day, right? Anytime. Uh, if you're not sanctified. Peter then begins, which I won't get into because it's quite long and lengthy, this sermon, and if I were to give a similar sermon, then it would be very offensive to each and every one of us because what Peter tells the people is something highly offensive to them, and he looks at them, and I'm sure he's got some boldness in his voice, and he says, you killed him. This is all our fault, but God raised, Christ was raised from the dead. Now repent for your sins. And this is something that would have um, just dumbfounded me because wasn't it just a few weeks ago that my boy Pete was being asked if he was a follower of Christ and Pete's like, I don't know no Jesus. So I want you to see the implications of the Holy Spirit already in action. What took a coward and a man who was, did not have enough strength to stay with Jesus when Jesus needed him, right here as he's being crucified, here is Peter with boldness in his heart telling every single one of them jokers, y'all the fools, we the ones that killed him. But he raised himself from the dead, and now we all got to repent. So this is like this extremely long sermon. If you think I preach long, Peter preaches longer, which that gives me, I'm going to preach longer now. So after he preached, but not this sermon. After he preached, the Bible says, 
3,000 people were saved and came together a part of the church. Think about that. This offensive message, the gospel, which should have offended every single person, 3,000 of them via the Holy Spirit gave their life to Jesus. Now, here's how the story ends, at least in Acts chapter 2. So these people, they gathered together and they devoted themselves, verse 42, to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, which is crazy. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. As any had need, any, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I want us to see just a few things that are in this text that should realign us as a church if we're not aligned. And should realign any church that is kind of drifted away from the mission of God. Again, I want to ask the questions, and I want to try to answer these questions. What are we doing here, and how do we accomplish it? What are we doing here, and how do we accomplish it? Now, uh, as we see here in this, in this birth of the church, there is something spectacular that happens, and supernatural that happens, and it is what we call, they experienced this felt presence or what, what some people would call the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. And they not only are experiencing the omnipresence, which God is everywhere at all times at all places, they're getting a little look into the awestruck glory, the presence of God, where God's about to just flex his muscles and step down and tell them, you're about to see a side of me that nobody has seen yet. So they are about to witness the manifest presence of God. One thing that we have to be at a place in our church is right there in this moment where they are experiencing this felt and this presence of God like never before. Now, I know that's scary for some of you because some of you may not have grown up into that. You may have grown up like, like all that spooky Holy Spirit felt presence. I don't even know what that stuff is all about. But something happens when we can align our hearts and get under the umbrella where the presence of God meets us in a tangible place. We begin to see the healings take place. We begin to see uh, lights turn on in dark places. We begin to see people who are bound by their addictions to come into and step into the freedom that God has for them. This happens in the manifest presence of God, where hearts are saved, where people are being brought into the kingdom of God. This happens when we're in the presence of God, this manifest presence of God. Now, let me just say this, because this is probably something that we should correct uh, at all times. Uh, the manifest or this felt presence of God is nothing that you can manipulate. It's absolutely nothing 
that you can just demand happen, right? God is not genie in the bottle, and that if you just kind of say the right things, rub it the right way, um, which sounds weird, uh, or if you just have enough faith to do this, then poof, here's Jesus to be your bellhop and to do whatever you want to do. That's not how it works. However, what we can do as a church and what we have got to get better at doing as a church is to just kind of place ourselves and posture ourselves where it's conducive for the Holy Spirit to pour himself out unto. Amen. And I got just two quick things on how that happens. And I believe that is a way we can posture ourselves to be in the manifest presence of God. And the first thing that I think that we ought to do is we ought to seek out the holiness of life, right? Being more like Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you to start placing a list of things to do or a list of what to do because I grew up in church and I grew up in like um, at times some hyper-spiritualism but I grew up in a church where it was mainly so you're a Christian now don't watch those rated R movies Uh, don't do this burn your tapes y'all remember what tapes are they had like ribbon in them and then like you can uh, it was pretty cool records. And so like when I grew up, they were like, we're going to have a record tape burning. I was like, what? What does that even mean? I don't know. But they would tell you, get all your secular music, right? Because this equates to holiness. I look back over those times and I'm like, man, if I had saved that record, if I had saved that tape, man, it would have been so awesome. Now I can't find it no more. And they'd be like, and I'm like digressing way too much but I just want to, like, talk to you because I love you. So they would be like, okay, if you want to be holy, don't watch radio movies. Oh, if you want to be holy, burn your tapes. We're going to have a tape. CD, uh, CDs weren't made then. We're going to have a tape and a record burning. And so we gather up all the tape. It would be this pow. you throw them in this little pit, and then all of a sudden you'd hear hissing, and you'd be like, see, that's a demon. I'd be like, no, it ain't. It's just rubber. What do you think? What is it? Vinyl. I don't know what it is. It's not a demon, all right? If you play it backwards, then you hear the voice of Satan talking to you, right? So this is what they would tell you. This equates to holiness. That has nothing to do with holiness. Please do not burn your records. Give them to me. I'll take them. I have a record player. So we equate holiness into this list of to-do things, but that's not what holiness is. God is calling, as you say, just, just do what I do. Just, just talk like me. Just walk like me. And we get this glimpse of the gospels, what that looks like. Now, perhaps some of the music you listen to, you shouldn't be listening to it. Again, you can give it to me. I'll, I'll listen to it, and I'll make sure it's, it's okay. And if it's not, I'll keep it, okay? <laughs> but that's not what holiness is. It's Christ being like, just follow me. Find the rhythms of my way, and you'll be able to live like me. That's what holiness is. We want to attract that presence of God. And listen, church, this is what we have to get better at, this holy living. Right? And I know that's not a popular message for us, but we have to walk in this holy living. Uh, another thing that I think is, is good for us to get a little better at, because I listen to you every Sunday. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we need a little work on it 
is really just our response to God in worship. And I'm not just talking about our lifestyle of worship. I'm talking about, like, we come here on Sunday morning, and these guys do an excellent job, and they give us great worship. And, and our response to worship and just singing out to God and, and rejoicing for what he's done for us. Like, if you glance through the Old Testament, specifically the Psalms, you'd see this rejoicing when God would, would bring people out of darkness, when God would rescue uh, the, the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh, when they crossed the Red Sea, the first thing they did is they took a moment and they paused and they just began to sing songs to the Lord and thank him. Psalms would, would sail us, and I, and I can give you like a lot of psalms, but I ain't got time. Psalm would say, 95.1, would say, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 100 would say, Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with uh, singing. Right? So there's, a, there's a response from us that we're not just participating in some show. All right? This isn't some show that we try to perform for you. This is what we're doing. We are just aligning our hearts, and we're performing to Jesus and thanking him for all that he has done for. This is a response, and this is what I believe gets us in that posture of experiencing God's tangible presence in our day-to-day lives. David would go a little crazy with it, not suggesting you to get this crazy, but David, David, Davy, yeah, we can call him Davy. Davy in his um, in in his worship to the Lord, uh, the Bible would say this one time he was started dancing in the streets and he danced so much, he's praising God so much that his clothes began to fall off. Let's get a vi- let's don't get a visual real quick. Let's just think about that for a second and not think about it at the same time with a G-rated version of it. Okay, that's some undignified. Worship to the Lord. You know, sometimes when we come in here and we hear people hooping and hollering and we see people throwing their hands up, like, like a lot of times we're like, God, will they shut up? But let me tell you something. You don't know what they've been going through and they've got a reason to celebrate. Here's David undressing himself and his wife comes up to him like she probably should have and told him, hey, Dave, you probably should stop dancing that hard because your clothes are falling off. David looks her straight in the face and said, woman, which is not also a good idea to call your wife woman, but he tells her, he says, woman, I'll dance even more undignified than this. He does. It's crazy. I wonder if we could lose a little bit of our dignity in this place. And some of us, we, we come in here, we've got this mask, and we think all is well. All is great in my world. I just wonder what would happen. And I'm not advocating for us turning into one of those kooky, super spiritual churches where there is the running around, all that kind of weird stuff. You may get told to sit down. I don't know. I'm not advocating for us to be that. I'm just suggesting what would happen if we could posture our hearts we want to see God actually do something in this place. Now, if you think that there are things that are a posture of our heart that can actually cause the Holy Spirit to do some movement and activity in our lives, you got to also know that the antithesis of that, that there are also some things that can deflect the move of the Holy Spirit. And I think there are a few things that can do that. And I think the number one thing that can deflect the Holy Spirit is you, yourself, and pride. Yeah. 
Psalm would later say this right here in 138.6, For the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And honey, he ain't calling you hot. He'd be like, that, that boy just too hot, that girl just too hot, so I can't know him or her. All right? He ain't calling you haughty. Haughty. Haughty with the G, right? <laughs> you prideful person who thinks I've got it all together and I am my own God. I got my own way. It's like, I don't even know who you are. Pride deflects and can keep a move of God from happening in your life. Also, and I think this is what I've been guilty of. Again, I'm talking to us. I'm talking to myself. Another thing that I've experienced is complacency. There's a terrifying verse in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12. God gives this warning to his people, and he says to his people, let me tell you something. I will judge every single last one of you for your complacent hearts. Now, this is insane because of all the things that God probably could have listed. He could have listed because of your sexual immorality. He could have listed because of your drunkenness. He could have listed because of your selfishness, because of your pride, because of all of these things. But God saw fit because he knew the heart of man. He says, I tell you what, I will will withdraw myself from those of you who are complacent. And here's what complacency looks like. Complacency says that everything is okay. okay. This church is great. Everything's fine and dandy. Let me ask you this. And I've seen this, and I use this example quite often. How has complacency worked out in any marriage that you know? For the marriages that fell, you know what happened? Complacency settled in. And let's, let's be straight. You become complacent about your spouse and see what happens. Because there's somebody out in the world who is not complacent about your spouse. Now, wouldn't you think that the holy living God would want us not to be complacent about the things of God? And if, and if, you, if you want to miss the activity and movement of God in your life, then just think everything's okay. I'm fine with where I'm at with the Lord. When there's so much more of God to be had, this cannot be it. I mean, this cannot be it. There is so much more of God's moving to be had. We have not reached the pinnacle as a church, and I refuse to believe that we have. Less complacency settle in our hearts. Now, how do we, you know, when, when we see this move of the Holy Spirit, when we see God ushering in His Spirit, the church growing, the church staying devoted, the church doing all these incredible things that you witness in the birth of the church, like, how do we accomplish that? Like, like what's our part that we play in this? And one thing that you would see within the church is that all of these people, these men and women, were operating in their gifts that God had given them. And I don't think sign gifts. I'm, I'm talking about just how God has uniquely wired you and I as individuals. God's uniquely wired us to play a part in the upbringing of the church, not to make you look good. 
but to make him look good. And Paul would later on and talk about uh, how, how this uh, unified body is actually, uh, it mimics how your body, your literal physical body works. So you have toes, you have, I should have worn flip-flops to give you an incredible illustration. Um, you may have monkey toes like I do that look like fingers, and you're like, this is a result of the Chattahoochee River? What? Uh, and, then, and then you have you have fingers, you have internal organs, and you have a brain, most of it. You have ears, you have, you have all of these parts of your body, and they all serve a function. But the problem is, is that some of us think that we're just a toe, so I'm not good enough for the church. Do you realize how important your toe is? Do you realize how important your finger is? Like, break one of them. Get a paper cut on one of them bad boys. The other day, I was, like, tearing down one of the sheds in my, the back of my house. And um, a lot of nails. All right, you could tell this story ain't going, it's going south already. A lot of nails. Thought I got them all up. There was one little piece of nail that was standing straight up. The devil was on the move in my backyard. I'm telling y'all. <laughs> Yesterday I was walking around. I was doing some pain in my backyard, in the back of my house. All of a sudden I stepped and I felt this urgent pain <laughs> in the top of, on the bottom part of my foot. It didn't even break through the skin and I screamed like an infant child. <laughs> what just happened? And I fell over in the grass. This is a little dramatic. I didn't actually fall over. But I felt like falling over in the grass and just laying there dying. <laughs> this is dramatic. And I tell you, this is how it actually felt. Here's Paul, like, addressing him, like, all right, here's your problem. You all have a function to play. You have a part to play in this. If we want to see the church grow and continue to develop and continue to be healthy, then each and every one of you have a part to play. But here's one of the problems that we have in our culture, again, is that we don't like our part. Well, I'm the butt. <laughs> we know. <laughs> We've been trying to tell you for a long time. Well, I'm the internal organ. Like, I'm this, I'm that. And we just, we complain. And then here's what happens with when, when, when we start doing that. We'll start operating in a gift we have no business operating in. So what you do is you get in your car gift, right? All right let's just imagine your gift is a car. And so what you do is you do an about face and you start driving in the incoming traffic. This is a legit picture of Highway 29. This is what happens when you operate in a gift you have no business operating in. You're driving in the wrong lane. You're doing something that won't do any kind of benefit for the church. It'll just end up destroying you. I don't want to do this, so I'm just going to do it my way. And in so doing, what you do is you start heading into incoming traffic. And you know who you look like? You look like this guy right here. Nope, not like Willie McQueen. So you look like this guy who thinks he has a gift. And so it's true. Don't you take up for this guy. You think that this is so incredible. I've got this beautiful gift, and you end up looking like what? You also end up looking like these two people. It's just asinine. 
Like, why do you think, okay, take it off. People got offended, right? And you start, and you start thinking that you have some gift. You really ain't got that kind of gift, honey. Come on, America, can we, can we do better just a little bit? Anyway, I know some of you are like, dude, you just offended me. I'm not coming back to church. You'll get over it, okay? Welcome to Refuge. We offend everybody. <laughs> I appreciate that, y'all. Thank y'all so much. So, yeah. I need a little bit of affirmation after that one. So we operate in these gifts, and we start doing stuff we have no business doing. And what are you doing to the church? You're just causing the church to be handicapped, and the church cannot operate, cannot be healthy, cannot grow because of your inability to find your gift that God has given you. And how you find that gift that God has given you is you stay in community with the church. You stay with us. We'll help you. That that desire, that dream that you have, what is that? Help us, like let us, let's walk alongside with you and let's, let's do what God has called us to do and be the church that God has called us to be. Here's what's happening in the early church. You have some men and women who are operating in their gifts that God has given them. If we want to continue to push the mission of God, We've got to get out of our seat, and we've got to start operating in the gift that God's given you. Even if you're just a toe, we need you here. If you don't, if you don't know how this, even like on a practical level, again, here's family talk going on. Even like if you don't, if you don't think this is important, um, even like with just serve teams, ask Miss Beth, right? She's helping out with kids, and she serves the kids every week. When we don't, when, when we don't play our part, ask her what happens. I, I should have had more amens right there, but y'all being too quiet on the preacher because I'm preaching better than you talking right here. All right, yeah, I, got, I need to go. I need to go. I ain't got time. Um, here we go. And here's the other thing that happens that we got to get. So as a church, and I want you to see this in this passage. Dude, it is hot in here. Like, did it just get hot? Or is it just like the, the Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton picture just made me like really uncomfortable and nervous? Anyway, here's, here's what else we got we to do. We, we have to remember this because this is vital to who we were when we began. This is vital to who we are now. And this has to be vital to who we will still become as a church. That we have to be a people who are meeting people where they are. Let me say that one more time. We have to be a continued people who are meeting people where they are. Here's what this means. We have to get out of our four walls and meet people. And don't wait for me to to schedule something to do that. Here's the incredible thing about this passage that is, is just is amazing. Where were the people when the Holy Spirit fell? Where were these disciples? Where were these, uh, these, these men and women, these people who had been gathered in this room for 10 days? Where were they? Let me ask it like this. Where were they uh, not? They were not in a temple. Because God's activity and his movement is not limited to just a temple and a building and a church. What you will find, however, in the move of the early church, of of the Holy Spirit, uh, you will find his activity 
in the marketplace. You will find his activity in the neighborhoods. You will find it outside of temples. I'm not telling us to stop gathering together, but something's got to give here. This right here, right now, you sitting here listening to a guy yell at you, this cannot be it. This is just a front door to all that God wants for us because there are far too many people who will never step into a church building because of the stigmas, because of how churches have identified them as less thans. We've got to be a people who will meet them where they are. Now, let me tell you, like, I, I don't, I, if, I, if I were to gauge myself on that, you know, I should be repenting, you know. Again, I'm talking to us. And we gotta meet, we gotta meet God's people, these people, where they are. Because honestly, that's that's like the picture of the gospel, if you think about it. God didn't wait for you to clean your act up, to get yourself together so that he could save you. So why on earth have we as a church said to culture, come in if you smell good, come in if you look good, come in if you give the right amount, come in if you look this way, come in if you're a hipster international club, right? That's insane. Come in even if you're an Alabama fan, right, William? Amen. We have, we, have to be, we have to be this people that continuously, not just welcoming, welcoming them in, but we have to be the people who are going out to where they are. It is crazy to think that more people will come into our building if we're not going out to where they are. It's just crazy. It didn't work like that. It didn't work like that in the New Testament church. And then finally, what we find the church doing and what I am imploring us more to do as a church is they stayed devoted. That last little section in chapter 2 is that and these people, these 3,000 people that were saved and the people who were continuously getting saved, they stayed devoted to each other, to the apostles' teachings. They stayed devoted to generosity so that no one had need. Can we please stay devoted to each other? Like, let's stay devoted to each other. One of the most heartbreaking things that, that Marin and I, and, and, and I know other pastors going through this, and people in leadership in churches, one of the most heartbreaking things that we see on a day-to-day basis is the simple fact that the people do not want to stay devoted to each other. And so we, we see it. They, they bounce, bounce around because they cannot stay devoted to where God has them. And most of the time it works itself out like this. Most of the time it works itself out like um, I say something offensive. Newsflash happens all the time. Uh, or, or you say something offensive to someone. Or, or someone uh, didn't speak. Or someone uh, didn't call. Or someone didn't shake the hand. Like, like come on, church, can we get over ourselves for just a second? Like, can we just stop for a minute? And, 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 and here's the suggestion that I'm making about staying. They almost started clapping, but that's okay. Uh, here's, here's what I'm suggesting to us, that we stay devoted, that even when the problems arise, stay devoted. 
even when the offenses, and I'm not asking you, I, I'm not telling you that this is like you better join this, this church right now. I'm not, I'm not advocating that at all. I'm just saying, can we stay devoted to each other? Can we, can we get in those places where, where we can be vulnerable and where accountability can happen? Can we, can we stay devoted to each other instead of when, when something offensive happens to you? Or, or here's the thing that we find a lot. <laughs> when problems do occur in your life and they're made known, most of the time people leave after that happens. I, I scratch my head on those and I'm like, why would you want to leave? And, and the people will go uh, somewhere else, and then guess what happens? The problem will still creep up, still there, because you are the common denominator. Um, the problem still creeps up. Church jumps in to try to help, and then they retract. And so we live in this cycle where we do not want to be known and where we do not want to be devoted to anyone except for ourselves. How the church... Like, this was exponential, okay? This started with 11 guys and then a room of over 100 people and then blew up. I know there were problems. You put me in the room with anybody, there's going to be a problem. I mean, there is. I'm human. I'm sinful. I'll disappoint. You'll disappoint. Did that stop the movement of the Holy Spirit? And we got to get this. We got to stay devoted to each other. And I'm not talking about the hyper devotion. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I'm not talking about the social media devotion. Well, I was trying to tell him what my life looked like on Facebook, but he didn't respond or like or dislike. <laughs> Is it time for me to close? I think so. Um, <laughs> Like, I, got, I, got this, I just got to say this real quick because it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll help me help you. I don't read your Facebook. And let me just help you out a little bit. I don't care. What I do care is real devotion. That's what I care about. Real devotion can never, real accountability can never, real community can never happen on some dumb social media website. Never sacrifice true devotion to God's people with some stupid social media. Thank God the other church didn't have to deal with that. They actually had to interact with people face to face. Let's pray. Father. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.